Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's the day treating you? It's treating me really well. You know I love chasing dubs, and that's uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So it's I'm gonna, hyped. It's a fun one. Today we're answering some of our most frequent questions regarding how you improve in Apex Legends, and we're hoping to increase your win rate, aka get more dubs. Before we do any of that, though, make sure to join our Discord to chat Apex, find teammates, receive third-party updates. Link for that is in the description. If you'd like to join the third-party nation and help to continue this incredible community, consider supporting us on Patreon. If you do, you could be listening to this episode earlier before anyone else. Pretty cool benefit. There are also additional benefits like ad-free listening, exclusive merch, and gaming sessions with us, and much, much more. We're going to start it off now diving into a little bit of news. So the first piece of news by now, you've probably all already seen the season 10 launch trailer. Don't worry, we've seen it as well as soon as the release has come out. But as of this recording, we have not seen it. So if you're listening to this episode, hoping for our breakdowns on all things in that launch trailer and anything else that's come out in the time being, uh, this is not going to be the episode for that. This is the episode for getting dubs. But make sure you check out our Instagram for our initial breakdown of that. Uh, And next week, we'll have our full reactions. And if you're really hankering for it, as we said, join the Discord, add us, and we'll get talking about it. We'll be active on there, chatting all about it, having a good time. So anything else maybe to add into that statement right there? No, that's it. I mean, Apex is always changing around their schedule for Mm -hmm. these big updates, news, trailers, and it makes our lives hard on a, on a bi-weekly <laughs> show, but we're here for it and we'll just have to hang tight. We'll definitely do a full breakdown. And we also want to sneak in another piece of news. The secret Octane buff that is floating around on social media, just because it's such a fascinating topic and last uh, last news episode was so packed full, we didn't really have too much time, so we're talking about it now. A 50% increase to his regen passive which means you'd be getting 1.5 health a second, which means 13 seconds to fully regenerate after stimming once, is in the game. It's there. Like, it's a real thing, folks. We saw it on social media. We were like, what? No, like we didn't even do it. But then the rumblings kept coming. As you were saying, Reddit was going wild. So I know you went in, tested this out, and that's wild that this is a little sneaky change because this is a legit buff if we're talking about in the grand scheme of things in comparison like what watson regens her shields at and stuff like that's kind of too bad for her (laughs) yeah a third of what octane's passive is um but yeah this i was shocked but this was a real thing um you think about the weight of something like this where we all thought that it took 20 seconds in order to kind of have a quasi cool down on the tactical Mm -hmm. in order to regain the health. Cutting that from 20 to 13 is crazy. Like that's Mm -hmm. a major, major change in how you use the tactical and much similar to how it used to be when it was a full two seconds back in Mm -hmm. season seven. So you kind of have to ask yourself, all right, Octane is the most popular legend in the game. This is a secret little buff. Uh, that is kind of being realized at the same time that there was the slight nerf of the launch pad. 
which mm-hmm. had a 50% increase in cooldown from 60 seconds to 90 seconds. Could it have been accidental, you know, uh, making the Maybe. cooldown 50% longer and the, the regen rate 50% higher? Perhaps, but this is something that's odd and developers aren't talking about it. And, you know, not that anybody needs a reason to play Octane because mm-hmm. he's the dominant popular Most popular guy, legend in the game, yep. But I think we can safely say, don't concern yourself too much about any uh, nerf you may have suffered because this buff far outweighs uh, any sort of nerf to the ultimate cooldown, to be honest. Yeah, when we start talking 50% increases for most legends in terms of abilities, you start to see a big difference. This would not have been something we would have uh, tried to slide past you guys if we were uh, doing our news and such. So this is definitely interesting. Going to be real fascinating to see if we potentially hear something about it on social media from a dev anytime soon or if we hear about it with the Season 10 update. If we don't hear anything, we'll probably ping some people just to see if we can get an answer for you guys on it and see if we can uh, uncover any hidden mystery in the Octane universe. But let's do it. Let's do what everyone's waiting for. The main topic of the day, we're going to talk about how to get some dubs. That's right. And really the takeaway from today's episode is we're going to do a top five. Mm -hmm. But the big takeaway is that Winning a game of Apex Legends comes from a series of choices. We're going to today talk about how you can improve your decision making and hopefully we can help you make better choices. You know, I think it may be obvious, but making only one choice to hide an entire game is not a great strategy in terms of winning. Mm -hmm. Making only the one choice of pushing everything is not, you know, a, a tried and true strategy for winning. To just say, I'm only going to loot once, make that choice, is not going to be a great way to win. And so you Mm -hmm. have to make consecutive good choices in order to win a game of Apex. And that's why I think we can do a podcast about this where we don't have to worry about your favorite legend or Mm -hmm. your gun skill. We can talk about strategy. And I think we can move the needle to increase your win rate. Yeah, I mean, winning is hard. Winning is hard in Apex Legends, and there's a lot of variables that go into that. And like one thing we will talk about right now and later in one of our points is kind of like strategies for taking fights and such. One thing that you need to be self-aware of if you're listening to this episode is what is my gun skill currently at? Because there is a baseline level of gun skill needed in the game that is predominantly a gun-based game, first-person shooter. We can give you all these tips and stuff, but if in the end you're missing full clips and not hitting all your shots, that's going to be a problem. And there's a different play style to try and improve that. And that is something we'll touch on again as well later. And so I think this is a good opportunity as we go into these points, look inwards towards yourself and figure out where you're at in Apex and where you want to be. Absolutely. And I mean, we talk a lot on the show about how to maybe work on that that weapon skill, whether it's spending mm-hmm. time in the firing range or breaking down what individual weapons behave and how you can overcome them. Talking about always weapon swapping, you know, breaking down how long do reloads actually take. So those kind of foundational elements we're not talking about today. We always talk about those in my totally. Eyes. So yeah. 
I'll, then I'll just add in the last yeah. point. Like I will just say like, I'll, I'll say if you are trying to improve your gun skill, if you're like, my gun skill is not good enough, I can't make my shots or you're one of the, maybe you're a plat player that can't hit diamond. And that comes down to gun skill. A lot of times, in my opinion, you're going to play differently because you need to fight more often in games. And so you will play more aggressive. That might not be the winning strategy that we're going to be talking about today, but that might be a stepping stone for you to get to a level where you then can now follow the strategies we think you should to then win the games once you're confident in those gun skills. I'm just trying to say, push more if you need to improve your gun skills, but know that that's not going to be the tried and true method of winning every game. Yeah, and and that's what I feel on how to improve your gun skill as well. The only way you're going to improve is with reps. Like That's the only way. There's no top five tips on how Mm -hmm. you really do that. You need to just play the game I'm not a huge, you know, proponent of using the firing range as a training like mm-hmm. element. Use the firing range to learn weapons, but yep. if you want to improve your gun skill, you got to get into a live game yep. and feel how it really is. The firing range is great for learning those recoil patterns, learning the bullets in the mag, that kind of fun stuff. That's necessary knowledge to kind of know. But shooting a dummy that's not moving is not going to translate in game once someone's running serpentine or grappling through the air and flying with Valk. Like there's, yes, live reps are definitely needed for improving gun skill. It's a BR too. You know, it's like you got abilities, you have three people on your team, you have third parties. You can't get any of that in the firing range to an accurate level. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Let's go into our five ways to win once you have the established gun skills that you're confident with. (laughs) Number one, loot less. Now, whoa, I know. Whoa, this is potentially (laughs) jarring for some players, Mm -hmm. but I'll start off by saying a little bit of a hot take. If you loot less, you'll actually have more loot. This is 100% necessary to tell people. And it's number one on the list for a reason, because I will say in our experience, it is the separator between a successful random and someone that tends to find themselves watching the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reason that it may appear a little weird, you know, you loot less, you actually get more loot. Well, if you're moving faster, you're probably going to get into more fights or a fight faster. And if you think about a scenario where, say, me and my squad, we dropped Rift and we loot it about maybe 50%, which I think is a good thing. You're not going into mm-hmm, every single mm-hmm. building, you're not opening every single supply bin, but you're looting about 50% of the loot there. And then you move to gardens. Mm-hmm. There's probably a fight going on there. There always is. If you finish that fight, every team there has collected their loot into a wonderful little package for you to instantly loot (laughs) called a death box, okay? And you're actually going to come out of these two POIs with more loot than if you were to have stayed in Rift, looted it 100%, and then moved on to Gardens. Mm -hmm. You may miss the fight. They may be able to get more loot in order to come to you faster while Mm -hmm. you're separated, looting individually. You put yourself at major risk when you loot and try to just focus on maxing out a POI before you're moving on. You need to follow the gunshots. It's a really big tip. It's the hardest thing for 
new players to get used to as well. And players that have even been playing for a very long time because for a lot of people, they see empty weapon attachments and they really want to fill it. But I'm going to be honest with you guys, like a common barrel stabilizer is probably not going to be the make or break difference between totally. you winning or losing a gunfight. And that's kind of like, you shouldn't be searching for that one thing like that. There's exceptions. If you have no armor as a team, maybe you do push a different area to got, try and loot up for a certain level of baseline loot that's needed to take a successful fight. Even if it is a third party, you might you might not be able to third party if everyone's got common armor and no mags or is missing a ton of ammo, which is not a common occurrence, but it does happen occasionally. So that's kind of the important thing to note as well. But in general, I mean, it's the saying, loot bodies, not buildings. That's the way of life for the third party and for anyone that's trying to take their apex game to the next level. Yeah. I mean, that whole saying of loot boxes, not buildings we're deciding on what we're going to put on the t-shirt because I think another little tip on speeding up your looting is loot buildings, not bins. Mm -hmm. Supply bins are not a great like avenue for loot and looting quickly. You're going to be able to be more productive if you're at least prioritizing the ground loot first. Say you're dropping and it's contested. Don't recommend it. Go for the ground loop. Go for the weapon that you can see instead of the random supply bin mm -hmm. is a major strategy in terms of just improving your loot game. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I mean, someone can, you've, we'll talk about dropping later, but if uh, someone drops with you and uh, you get a gun and they go into a bin area, they open four bins for you and then you laser them because you had a gun, well, they just put all four of those bins into one nice little handy dandy box for you to That's look at. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And it just speeds things up. Um, Changes with Lifeline, just ever so slightly. You know, if you have those blue bends early game, it could be a nice little thing for you to maybe push them if you see them all sure. together. Like, caveat. I don't want any of our Lifeline mains to get mad at us here. <laughs> Underrated passive. I'm telling Very you. Very much. Being able to have unlimited cells, essentially. I'm into that. I do like it a lot. Do you remember our first game with yes, that? I do. Very first game as Lifeline with a new passive. Open a blue supply bin. The very first one, purple light mag pops right out of it. And blue Henry and I minds. are ready to hop on the podcast right now and say that Lifeline just got the most broken ability in the game. Yeah, we were freaking out. We were like, okay, well, that's a game changer. Never not playing Lifeline again. Um, no and doubt. That, no that doubt. segues directly into like what, and you mentioned this a little bit. What's the priority? When, mm -hmm. when should I move out of a POI? Mm -hmm. Well, we've said it before, say it again. Blue armor is enough. Okay. Yep. If you have three blues, you're more than ready to move on. Two, I think you're fine. Yep. Like you can handle it. If you have two blue armors, you're good. And I want to say real quick because I know that. We used to say it a lot is that we were like, you can win games with blue armor. With red Evo being a lot more prominent, that is a lot harder to do. And I will feel a little bit more scared going into an end game with blue than we used to say, like you can take blue and kind of avoid fights and stuff, especially with the amount of avenues now between crafting uh, to try and upgrade your armor. So just a little tidbit at the, in there on blue armor, but it is definitely more than enough at the beginning and early stages of the game. Absolutely. And then I think once you have the armor, that's the top priority. The second priority is weapons. So getting mm -hmm. weapons that you feel comfortable with. And then it's mags. If you have all three of those, 
you got to get out of there. Like you're yep. looting too much. If you have all those, you're more than enough. You don't need a helmet. You don't need to make sure you got six bats. You don't need to make sure you have 300 ammo. Like you just need to move at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And before we go into kind of maybe what your ideal inventory loadout might be after that initial drop, I think adding a little bit of theory on top of why are we doing this aside from you say, Henry, if I loot less, I'll get more loot. That seems a little crazy. (laughs) If that doesn't resonate with you, if you think about rotating faster, Mm -hmm. if you're not going to be stuck in your first POI and you're going to land there, see the first ring shrink, and then make a repositioning to suit that ring, you're going to survive longer. If -hmm. you do that faster, you're going to survive longer. If you beat other teams to superior positioning, you're going to survive longer. And if you survive longer, you're increasing your rate of winning. Yep. That's it. Like that's a great I think formula. That's pretty bulletproof right there. And I will say like that, I actually think that this does slightly even change in importance by map. On World's Edge and King's Canyon, this is an even higher priority and a reason why you should loot less because there's legitimate power positions that it is worth pushing to as fast as possible and this kind of loot concept helps you do that on olympus you know everyone has their opinions on like oh is that the same like is it worth pushing far ahead in terms of this idea though you still get to rotate to wherever you would like to faster whether that be edge or kind of center zone on olympus but even more so on kings and world's edge is this a high priority item so now what should be in your inventory? Great question, this, Henry. Yeah, this, this <laughs> is a really tough conversation because a lot of it is subjective mm-hmm. um, and you are 100% limited by the backpack that you have. Oh, yeah. So a lot of these will either not be possible or not even be advisable depending on if you have a blue or a purple bag. And we've said the the bags might be one of the most important loot items as well in the game, up there yeah. with the armor and the mags, no doubt. It definitely is. Like, I really love the backpacks. But the reason that it's not a top three priority is it doesn't prevent you from being successful in a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. long longevity-wise, you're going to want a nice bag, but you don't need to make sure you get it before you take your first fight. It just isn't necessarily a huge priority. But it's definitely a critical thing to have. You don't want to be in a ring three, ring four with a common bag. Very, Mm -hmm. very scary situation. But back on track, what should be in your inventory? A couple different scenarios in terms of what your gun preference is, what the combination of guns you have. Um, You know, your ammo is, I think, the first thing to kind of scale. Mm -hmm. You have two weapons. What's the ratio between the weapons? Are you going to weight them equally? Different types of weapons have different stack sizes. So how Mm -hmm. does that come into play with your inventory management? But there's some situations where, like for instance, if you have an assault rifle, and then you're going to couple that with a full auto secondary, either another AR or Mm -hmm. an SMG, what's that situation look like compared to a sniper or a shotgun plus a full auto weapon? How are you going to Mm -hmm. weight you know, those, if you think the sniper is your primary, you know, how's that going to change things? Totally. This one's tough, but I think it's a loose metric. And the overall takeaway is don't carry too much ammo, please. 
Like mm-hmm. there is so much more value in carrying batteries, grenades, anything else. Ammo is not as important as you may think in terms of how much you need. So first things, we'll go weapon class by weapon class with an exception. Snipers. This one is not as straightforward as you may think. I say two to three stacks. Two stacks is pretty good, but the worry about carrying a sniper is you probably won't be able to loot a lot of sniper ammo later into the game because it's not the most popular class. So I think you lean on the three stacks just to make it to the end game. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point. Shotguns may be interesting. Two stacks. That is mm-hmm. not a lot of ammo. And that's an advantage of the, to the weapon in of itself. Yeah. For sure. It really is. But the reason that it's two stacks, which may feel a little bit light for some people, is when you're using a shotgun, you're up close. And you're not going to be shooting the shotgun 50 times in mm-hmm. an entire match. You don't need 50 ammo ever. Like if you used fifty shotgun bullets up close, please send the game our game tape our way. Would love to get that posted on the YouTube. <laughs> it's tough, you know. I can think of a situation where, say, you're using the Eva. It's got eight rounds. All right, mm-hmm. if you get five kills with it and you fire every single round, like yeah, you're going to be using a lot of ammo. But that's not really how you should be using the Eva. And the situation <laughs> in which you are able to successfully close the gap and use the EVA as a primary is not only difficult, but rare to pull off. Like those situations just don't come up where you're in a fragment situation where people are just waves and waves of close quarters encounters. doesn't really Mm -hmm. happen. You Mm -hmm. can still love the shotgun, use the shotgun, but don't use a ton of your inventory space for shotgun ammo because you're not going to need it. That's it. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Now, ARs, definitely a different story. You're going to be mm-hmm. looking at three to four stacks of ammo. That's mm-hmm. 180 to 240. Mm-hmm. 240 is on the higher end. That's probably going to come down to a purple bag. If you have a blue yep. bag, I think sticking with 180 is totally fine. It's also important to note that you have two weapons. Okay, If you have 180 for two full auto weapons, that's great. I really think that's solid. Mm-hmm. You should be able to win some fights with 180 bullets to hopefully... Uh, have some time to replenish that ammo and stack at really that point. that's really the key. That's the other takeaway, where it's don't carry too much because A, you're not going to use it, and B, if you do use it, you're going to be able to get some more. Like, if you're carrying 240 light ammo for your R301, and you have a wingman on the side, and you use 240 bullets, and you don't get a kill, we need to work on that. But number two... You're not using the R301 effectively, so you probably should be using the G7, and that's going to be a lot more ammo efficient if you are not getting to replenish your ammo in that situation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. don't go overboard on on the ammo for ARs. Don't go overboard. I like that. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. Kind Stick of. with it. Yeah. SMGs, I think you should carry four stacks. I think you should mm-hmm. carry the full 240, the rate of fire, coupled with just how close you are. You're going to want to be spraying, hip firing. They're going to take a lot of ammo. Similarly, LMGs. I think four mm-hmm. stacks is going to be pretty uh, necessary just because you're going to be hip firing, suppressive fire. Like those, those two, the SMGs and the LMGs need a little bit more ammo. 
you start to burn through ammo. They shoot so fast. You shoot so many rounds. And if you try and use it at any sort of range, you're not going to be hitting a majority of your bullets. And so definitely needed to have a lot of backup ammo. No doubt about it. Yeah. And like the reason that ARs are maybe closer to the three than the four stacks is because you can tap fire an AR and have success. Mm -hmm. You're not really going to be tap firing SMG. If you mm -hmm. touch the trigger, that thing's going pedal to the metal. Like you're you're empty in every clip you fire, mm -hmm. essentially with an There's SMG. There's no single fire mode on the R99, really. mm -hmm. and that's for a reason. I'm not saying that you should <laughs> use tap fire with an SMG. If you are finding yourself, oh, I really like to burst fire the Volt. Well, maybe we should be using an AR because mm -hmm. it's going to just be more suited for that higher damage. It's going to make more sense. Next, marksman. Three stacks, I think, is plenty. 180 in the G7, mm -hmm. you're going to be good to go. Um, at that range, if you want to be doing tons of poke and you have a purple bag, you could do four stacks, but generally, you only need three. Um, and so, again, don't overdo it. Don't go overboard. I, I will say that like this changes a little bit for me in ranked, like, like very specifically with the marksmen's, and that I will carry four stacks in ranked because we are going to do some slower long range pokes just from a play style perspective to try and get that Evo armor up. And so it can be nice to have the extra ammo, but you're not going to see any complaints if I'm rocking with three stacks either. So as a great barometer. Then the wingman, I think is an interesting case here because it's very different uh, from other weapons. Pistols in general um, are going to be kind of an interesting case. You know, there's a lot of RE45 lovers out there. I think you can go ahead and carry if you're using it as a primary, which, you know, I, I get it's it. It's interesting. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't fully recommend it. Um, you could do your three stacks. Wingman, though, based off of how you're going to use it, could vary. But genuinely, I think you're going to want two stacks, yeah. which is not a ton. You know, that's 120 shots, 45 damage a piece. Hopefully, you're not burning through that. You know, if you do find yourself burning through it, I think you're better off using a marksman. And then yes, mm -hmm. you're going to have more versatility. If you're using the wingman at range and you find yourself running out of ammo, you're not using the right weapon for the job. The, the fights in which you use the wingman lead to the ability to recoup your ammo quickly mm -hmm. if you fight successfully. And that is why two stacks in comparison to the marksman where you will be poking people at long range. If you can poke at long range with the wingman, whoo, talent. Yeah, right there and it can happen like you can do it, it. Can. i like mm -hmm. the wingman for that reason that you can use it up close and at range but i don't know if you want to rely on the wingman to just be the best weapon at every situation because the stats don't really back it up it's very mm -hmm. hard for you to just lean on the wingman and say this is the best sniper and the best shotgun it's not true there's a lot <laughs> of players that say that it's not true if you want to be honest you want to win more games don't do that. If you do want to use the wingman, don't go overboard on the ammo. Honesty is the policy for winning more games. It really is, folks. And this is a large one. This is like number one because it's a lot to chew on. Um, this whole looting less and how to loot better. Mm -hmm. Next, heels. How many heels did you be carrying? I don't know if there's a lot of debate between Shay and I on this, but nope. first things first, you want four syringes and four syringes only. If you're playing Octane or Lifeline, probably zero. Yep. Syringes are the least efficient healing item in the game. 
you do not ever want to carry eight of them. A lot of people find themselves carrying eight. That's the first thing you got to get rid of. Like that's a whole spot dedicated to syringes, which are a big waste. Big waste. Healing your body in general absolutely sucks. So let's just only take shield damage as a team if we're trying to win. Yeah, let's all just agree <laughs> we're not going to go down to health in a yep. game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also two med kits. Don't even try to do three or four med kits. No. You're never, ever going to be able to use that many in a game. That's just a fact. Like mm-hmm. if you're winning a game, hopefully you only use one med kit. And that's like Hopefully you insurance. don't use your med kit. Yeah, eyes, honestly. <laughs> you don't want to get there, but that's the max. Dedicate two inventory slots to healing your health as a emergency case. Don't <laughs> want to get there. Then for shields, I think eight cells is a good space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes two spots. you might flex up to 12. If you're mm-hmm. doing poke damage, you're, you're in ranked perhaps, you mm-hmm. could go up to 12 and I won't get too upset. But 16, you got to get batteries in there pronto. And I think mm-hmm. you should have two inventory slots of batteries at least with four. At least. That's a key word That's for HV over there. At pretty least. Pretty much at least. I'm, I've been known to get a little carried flex away. Flex up to 10. Like. <laughs> yeah, flex up to 10, push up to 12. You know, you don't need that many. Four is really good. Yes. I will say no as a caveat, I'm a big bat life, big fan of batteries. They're the most efficient at, you know, getting you that shield health. Mm-hmm. If you're playing an aggressive legend and you're using a shotgun, a wingman, an SMG, you may not use a lot of batteries. So you could just stick with two. If you're getting up close and you're relying on armor swaps, you might not need to go crazy on the batteries. If you're not going for armor swaps, getting crazy, fragging out, please carry at least four batteries. They are very much <laughs> worth it. I will also throw in as well uh, the gold armor caveat mm-hmm. where that if you got the gold armor and you're rocking with it, please don't carry med kits, stick to the syringes. And I personally don't carry batteries when I'm using gold armor. And that is not even to say they're bad. Obviously, you get a huge advantage with cells, but it's that I can funnel those bats to my teammates that are going to need them more than I will with the cell life. And if you're running gold armor, then you can start getting into that 16 cell range and sure. having the the versatility in that way yeah i think it's a definitely a good note and understanding how your gameplay shifts with gold armor is mm-hmm. really i think a skillful thing that you're it's a huge change you're not pulling back you're pretty much mm-hmm. never abandoning a fight or a team you're able to in the field be doing these big healing of your yep. shields and health like that's a very different playstyle. You know, you're not going to no be using a tactical in order to get away to use a battery. You're going to be staying behind any scrap of cover, popping a cell, maybe two, and putting the pressure on. Like mm-hmm. very aggressive piece of loot, the gold armor. Another note on uh, looting in general. As you start to get further into the game, something that I think separates the people that end up winning and the really successful Apex Legends players from other is recognizing when your loot is settled and you don't need to start spending as much time even looting the boxes that we are recommending you loot. Once you get into that later game and you feel like your armor and your weapons are settled, looting boxes should really just come down to grabbing an armor swap after a quick fight in case that third party arrives 
and then grabbing ammo and bats and then moving on. You don't want to get thirded. The absolute worst feeling in Apex is you finish a fight and you're in there searching for your loot and you get shot while you're in menu on the box, especially if you're a controller player like Henry and I. You don't have as much of a chance as making it out of that situation. There's really no need to look at buildings or loot boxes just trying to find that like one last purple stock because the difference between a blue stock and purple stock will not be the difference between you winning and losing the game, but the time you spent doing so, searching for that loot, that actually could be the difference between you getting to where you need to be and winning and losing the game. And if you're playing with randoms as well, that could be the difference between you guys getting separated. If the teammates are on the same page about the method of looting, but one person's a straggler and they end up far behind and they get lasered because of that, that's a very big loss because unfortunately losing one player in a three-person game, that's going to be an L for you guys for the most part. Very good notes. And I mean, for some people, looting is one of the hardest parts of Apex. And it is certainly overwhelming. In any BR, a looting mechanic is difficult. Apex has the most complex looting mechanic of any BR on the market. Mm-hmm. Having the whole attachments, all the pieces of gear, it's really complicated. Getting better at that part of the game is certainly going to improve your win rate. And it just comes down to really being conservative and being honest with yourself as to what do I need and just working on the speed. No doubt. Let's move into point number two for how to win some dang games and get some dubs. Number two is use the best overall weapons. This is hard because Mm -hmm. we talk about weapons a lot on the show. We break down, we put them head to head, we do whole bodies on it, we'll do sections on, you know, which is better uh, for this situation, this legend. Um, And we have a couple different ways to look at weapons in order to establish which is actually the best because Mm -hmm. a lot of people will talk about, oh, you know, Peacekeeper meta couple of seasons back or the wingman Mm -hmm. is the best weapon in the game because of x y or z we talk about weapons a lot like i just said and one stat that we look at uh to really determine if it's good to recommend is the accuracy requirement how many shots do you need to hit in order to knock somebody with purple armor and you have a purple mag that Stat, that accuracy percentage really gives a great indicator as to how easy is this weapon to use. And if you use that compared and also look at the damage per second, you can come to a really great number as to is this weapon powerful or not? Does it have the damage and the forgiveness to really make a good BR weapon? Yeah. I mean, coming down to what the best overall weapons are, like, to put it even more bluntly, if you're trying to win a game and get more dubs, now's not the time to be experimenting with, I'm going to complete this challenge or do this thing. And Henry and I are pretty uh, confident in a lot of weapons currently in the game. I think you can get wins with a lot of weapons. But there are some top tier ones, some tier breaks where you do start to see Okay, maybe that does make a difference as I go into the late game. Maybe I don't want to be rocking with, say, like the Mozam into the late, late game. As much as Henry and I love the Mozam and getting a Mozam win is a very satisfying thing to do separately in of itself. 
100%. But if we're working <laughs> on moving the dial, you got to just make straight up number decisions. And the numbers that we have for you today aren't based around skill. Like we're removing skill from it. What are the mm -hmm. most powerful, best overall weapons? You don't need to necessarily practice them. This is what you should use. And how we came to this analysis was we used damage per second as a baseline. We then added on the accuracy percentage that you need. And then we added something new for the third party and we assessed the recoil or the difficulty of the weapon in subjective terms, whether it's easy to use, medium, or hard. And this is really important. And I think this is something that our analytics were always missing because when you compare the flatline and the R301, you got to hit a lot less shots of the flatline in order to get a knock than the R301. So mm -hmm. based off of that, flatline is easier. But obviously, the recoil of the flatline is harder to control than the R301. So they actually become a lot closer together. Mm -hmm. So based off of this little analysis, we're able to compare them a little bit more fairly and as well with all the weapons. If you want access to this full breakdown, and chart as to all the weapons and which are the best overall that'll be available to all of our patrons please go take a look comment love to see it always thinking about the game over here the third party definitely a nice benefit but let's get into what actually matters the top five best overall weapons Spitfire, as of right now yeah. we'll give let's because this this does change you know quite often with bus nurse we're approaching season 10 if you are coming on your way back through we're Towards the end of season nine right now, a uh, couple weeks left. That's kind of the meta we're talking about right now. This very well could shift beginning of season 10. If you are a binger that's listening back, it go ahead though. It definitely could yes. switch up. Yes. A lot of totally. these we have our eyes on for potential changes. Number one, the Spitfire. The Spitfire has an absolutely insane score based on our metrics. And they're even adjusted because the accuracy required to knock someone with purple armor is just over 20%. You only have mm -hmm. to hit 20% of your shots. The next closest heavy gun is 35. So there's a 30% gap in terms of the difference between these weapons and just how forgiving the Spitfire is just amplifies its power. So the Spitfire is head and shoulders above other weapons in terms of the best options for you to use the nice thing is the Spitfire doesn't need a whole lot of attachments. So it's solidly the Titan in terms of weapons. We're living in a Spitfire meta. Yeah. Whether we want it to be or not, it is the Spitfire meta right now. And we've talked about it in depth as of late. Feel free to go back and listen to some full-on Spitfire breakdowns if you want them. That's right. Next, we have the R301 and the Flatline close competitors. They are the best weapons in the game to use. Most versatile, most powerful, most forgiving. Gotta use them. Next, we have the EVA 8. We just talked about how just dominant this weapon is compared to the shotguns. Well, it's also quite dominant compared to other weapons as well. Mm -hmm. Obviously, mm -hmm. you're limited in range. But as a secondary, this is certainly something that you should be picking up right now at the end of Season 9. No doubt. And the number five slot may be a shocker to some listeners and players, but it's the Devotion. And this one Ooh. was a bit of a surprise to myself, um, but it's coming in with a very similar accuracy requirement as the Spitfire. Also a similar damage. It's an LMG. 
We're in an mm-hmm. LMG meta, if you ask me. I think the LMGs in this game are so popular. We're going to be getting another one. I'm really interested <laughs> in what's going to go down with it. But that's Rabbit where hole. we are. That's where we are. And the Devotion, a lot of times we've talked about, this is one of the most attachment-dependent weapons in the game. Mm-hmm. Because the damage per second scales from 80 to 240. So as it ramps up, it starts at 80 and goes all the way to 240 with the turbocharger. We split the difference. The DPS is 160, which puts it in a really great spot. That's pretty much paralleled with the Spitfire, which means if you're pre-firing the Devotion, it is a very powerful weapon. You slap on the turbocharger, and it's the most powerful weapon in the game. Like, this is a very, very powerful gun. You should be using it. When the turbocharger is in the replicator, you are going to get more dubs if you use the Devotion. So that's my two cents. Man, the turbocharger being in the replicator is a serious, serious problem. It is something intense, but yes, if you can get that turbo, if you can dominate with that gun, it's been a fantastic gun for a long time, fully stocked, still is, doesn't look to be changing anytime soon. Another little piece from the analytics that we ran are what are the best weapons in each category based off of DPS, accuracy, and then the difficulty of the recoil. For pistols, RE45, best pistol, no question. AR, R301, wins out, best all, all around. SMG, the alternator and the volt are essentially tied in this category. You can go either one, and a lot of times we recommend that you fully make your weapon decisions informed by what mags you have. So mm-hmm. for SMGs, it's probably going to come down to that. Spitfire dominates the LMGs. Eva dominates the shotguns and then the longbow is currently the best sniper and it's by a lot it's it's no joke in terms of just the magazine size the accuracy the damage it is very powerful and definitely it should be the one you go with if you're a sniper fan go give the longbow a shot right now i kind of just revisited it in the last week for the first time in a while been having a heck of a lot of fun with it Uh, before we dive into the rest of the ways to get some dubs here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. We're ready to get into point number three of the day on how to get some dubs. Dropping smart. Break it down why it's so important to drop smart for all our listeners, HB. This one's a quick one. We'll see how much we talk about it. But Mm -hmm. really, if you want to win more, you need to drop smart. And what that means Mm -hmm. is uncontested. If you avoid a situation, where you're fighting with your fists over weapons. You're avoiding a 50-50 fight. If the enemy gets the weapon, they land a little bit faster, they're going to win. If you land first, you're going to win. That's a 50-50 that we want to avoid. And by avoiding it, you're increasing your win percentage by about 50%. So this mm-hmm. is one of the biggest like tips as to how you can move that dial. One strategy in dropping smart is you're looking back in the dropship, okay? And it's nice to have maybe two or three drop locations that you feel really comfortable in. So you're kind of picking three that are scattered around the map that you know really well how to loot them, how to rotate from them. And if you're looking backwards in the dropship, you can make an educated decision as to which of the three you're going to drop at in order to be uncontested 
and most successful. And it is important though, as much as I do love this strategy and this is the go-to way in which I drop in rank specifically is do have even one spot where you are beyond confident in taking that 50-50 to the point in which you feel like you can turn it into a slight advantage. Henry and I try to have one to two of those spots on every map because as I love looking back in the dropship, but there are times where oh man, all like my two favorite spots, those looks like there's one, maybe even two teams there. Okay, it's not looking great. Would I rather maybe take a drop at a place I'm extremely confident in or drop somewhere else I've never been before and try to work through a new rotation which offers different challenges in of itself? And that might not even be a guaranteed solo drop in of itself that way either. Yeah, if you're trying to win more games, you want to decrease uncertainty at every step of the way, know your loot, know the weapon, know the drop. You know, that's our top three reasons mm-hmm. right there. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, we do map guides on all the maps. We kind of highlight our ideal spots that have really solid loot, easily defendable if you practice them, great rotation. And of course, that third party opportunity uh, that we always look for here. Um, but something to just keep in mind is you're looking for high tier loot. That's on the edge, mm-hmm. to be honest. That's how you're going to be able to not be contested, to have safe rotations where you can you know, make it through. You don't want to be dropping center ring every game and just bank on the fact that you're not going to get destroyed by Preds. Yeah. It happens. You, do not wanna, you don't want to drop in places where you feel like a third party can come from every angle. It's nice to have some protection from the edge of the map or an unclear POI that's not very popular as well that you can fall back to even if need be. So there's definitely some serious strategy in dropping. Dropping smart is a huge part of winning games. Absolutely. And a lot of people could take this episode as a way to increase their KD as well. Because if you win more, you're going to have a higher KD. If you can zero Mm -hmm. out your deaths and have any kills, you're going to increase your KD. And by dropping smarter... I think you're going to increase your KD. A lot of people think, oh, I want to get more kills. I have to drop Fragment. I have to drop Hammond. No, that is not how you increase your KD if you're coming into it with a disadvantage. If you have a lower Mm -hmm. KD and you want to improve it, you need to actually focus on winning more games um, and decreasing the amount of zeros you have. So you don't want to be dropping highly contested to -hmm. achieve anything, whether it's dubs or kills. That's that. Strategy number four, survive, and by doing so, use your abilities. Guys, don't worry. The beacon was going to find its way into this episode in some way, shape, or form. We're going to give it pretty much its own category in of itself. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, if you want to win, you have to survive, and there's some great mechanics in the game that help you do so. First and foremost, the survey beacon. Mm -hmm. Definitely scan this first. It's the top priority. Scan it often. If you are scanning the beacon, you have a superior advantage in this game. It is no joke. There is no other passive ability that increases your win rate outside of the survey beacon. It is so good. I mean, it allows you to know where the game is going to move to. It allows you to rotate ahead if need be. It allows you to identify power positions and give yourself an advantage in that way. You're going to know if other teams are 
playing certain areas of the map based on scanning beacons, assuming other people might scan some beacons as well. It's incredibly powerful, third-party favorite. If we were going to rank passives and rank legends, this one comes towards the top of the list pretty easily for us. Can't lie. I mean, it's dub central. Macro agreed as well. Best legend, best uh, passive for winning the games right there, the survey beacon. Yep, you heard it here first. (laughs) Um, But other abilities that you can use in order to survive, just some kind of extra tips. Do not die without using an area of effect ultimate. If you die with a caustic grenade, you die with a Gibraltar ultimate or a Bangalore ultimate, you did something wrong. You want to leave it all on the court and use your abilities to survive. It's very sad when you die with something that might have been able to change the fight and you were holding it because you felt like you could have maybe made it out without using it. And that's just a pretty tough way to go. I would rather survive that fight and take the next fight knowing well that I'm doing the most I can with my abilities at that current time, which just means might not having that area of effect ability. Totally. And I mean, you should just use everything you got. You don't want to die. That's the top priority. You want to win more games, do not die. Mm -hmm. So if you're using those big ultimate, you know, those 240 second ultimates like Gibraltar, if you use it and you win the day, you may get a gold helmet out of it, which mm-hmm, is going to make mm-hmm. it happen faster. You may get an ultimate accelerant, which is going to have you have it again shortly. But generally, you're going to have about a 60-second window between each fight. Mm-hmm. Loose rule of thumb. But given that, it's a solid chance by the time that you use it, win the fight, loot, move to the next space, get into another fight, you're going to have your ultimate again. If you're most legends. I mean, if it's 180 seconds, do not hesitate. Use those abilities every fight. It really should be. You can use the Mirage Ultimate just while you're walking around, just for fun if you really want to. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) Pretty much. The craziest thing about the Mirage Ultimate is that the cooldown doesn't start when the decoys disappear, which is 15 seconds. It starts Mm -hmm. instantly. You use it, and it already starts charging up the next one. like, okay, more incoming. I don't think there's another ability like that. Like it's so <laughs> odd, like, especially for an offensive one. And la- anything else in this category? Last sort of just leaving it all out there is make sure you're using your grenades. A lot of times, I think Shay and I hold on to our nades for those end ring situations where they mm-hmm. really do the most damage. They are the most clutch there. But don't die with three or four nades in your pocket. Like you should really use them. Chances are you'll be able to loot more from the boxes. Mm-hmm. So throw your nades, throw your ults, do everything you can to survive um, and lean into your legend, I think. Leave it all in the arena. That's Leave right. it all out there. Don't go down without a fight. That's the best way to put it. And that's a tip for surviving your way. The fifth and final tip to winning more games is just plainly communicate. If you're staying tight, playing with your teammates, you're going to win more. You know, a lot of times when you're crossing the street with your friends, if you stay together, the cars can't kill all of you. Okay. (laughs) So if you're spread out, you know, definitely stick together is the moral of the story. Apex Legends is a team game from the beginning. It always has been and it always will be. 
taking a fight three on one is a death sentence. Taking a fight three on three means that you got an equal shot at winning in a vacuum. Theoretically, other variables, you know, not there. It is so important to have teammates. We want you to have teammates. Join our Discord if you don't. We really want to work towards finding teammates. Apex itself makes clubs. There's so many ways in which we want to push teammates together. They have the most robust ping system in the game to help you try to communicate even if you're not on mic. But communication is going to be everything for you. It allows you to decide as a team when to take a smart fight versus not taking a fight as well. And that's a huge area for how to win a game right there in of itself. But that all in the end boils down to communication in a nutshell. Absolutely. And I think a lot of players maybe would like to get a 1v3. They'd like to wipe a squad all by themselves. That's a major achievement. I get that. I think that it's going to come naturally. Shay and I have done it. We've been playing for a while. It's going to happen. And for us, it happens all the time. But (laughs) it comes down to math. One predator is easily destroyed by three golds that are tight together. Mm-hmm. There, like there is not a question in my mind. If one you predator, not, like, it's yeah, not even it, close. You don't win a three on one by fighting a three on one. No, you win, you win a three on one by fighting three separate one on ones. Mm-hmm. And so if you stay tight, communicate with your team, you're removing that potential variable in of itself, which is going to help you get those dubs and win fights in general. And, one of the best ways to stay tight and to avoid those bad situations and to actually win your gunfights is use the ping system and mm-hmm. use it a lot. I don't want to say like ping everything all the time. You don't have to ping every single shotgun bullet you find. Um, and you don't want to spam ping, but you should ping enemies every time. Do not, mm-hmm. even if you're on comms, always ping enemies. Mm-hmm. Ping when you want to defend a location is a really powerful one. And then ping where you want to move. That's it. Not that complicated when you just look at those three priorities. I think those are really what you want to be pinging and doing so consistently. Yeah. I'll throw in like last real quick thing. I'll throw in pinging your ult if you're a certain character like a Valk. That is in the game now. And that's going to be a huge, huge thing for you and your team success if you are not physically on mics with one another. 100%. I mean, once you're ult, fully charges, you get prompted to ping it. You should always Mm -hmm. do that. But if you don't know, you should open up your inventory to look at all your loot. And in the bottom right, you have an icon of your ultimate. Ping that to let your teammates know where it's at in terms of its charge. Very, very great feature in the game. Definitely, Definitely rely on that. Do we have time to rapid fire through some bonus tips for how to win some games outside of our top five right now? Yeah, let's do some bonus, all right? couple bonuses couple real bonus quick. couple bonus legends. We didn't talk about any mm-hmm. legends, and I think that one of the best indicators for how legends can play a component in winning more games is make sure your playstyle and weapons inform your legend decision. As there much, are other variables like yeah. picking the three that work together on a team, but there's a lot more flexibility in that and the actual success of a game versus the simple legend plus gun combo for sure. Absolutely. You want to get that good synergy, the perfect team comp. That's not always possible. But if you, this is a gun game. Gun game, first and foremost, it's going to make the biggest impact is what Mm -hmm. weapons you use. If you like LMGs, play 
Rampart. If you're not playing yep. Rampart, play Gibraltar or Caustic. Legends that can stay in the same place provide that base of fire. If you like ARs, you should play an offensive legend, Bangalore, potentially Pathfinder, Bloodhound Fuse. These are kind of medium range legends that want to deal a lot of damage, um, but don't necessarily benefit from being right in the face of an enemy. They kind of play the middle ground. Mm -hmm. If you're an SMG, shotgun, pistol lover, you want to be up close. That's Lifeline, Wraith, and Octane. Lifeline has no mobility, but her ideal situation is she's right up on a hot res in the middle of a firefight. She should be utilizing her small hitbox. Yeah, that's like, her infightability. Like <laughs> it's a little bit tough because it's a big risk to play that way. Mm-hmm. But totally. playing Lifeline at her best means you are using those weapons and you're good at those weapons. Mm-hmm. Finally, marksmen's snipers, Gibraltar, Fuse, Rampart kind of long range legends that can do that poke damage. Their whole kits are kind of based around amplifying that ability. Um, th- those are going to be the best choices. You know, obviously no doubt about it. there's other legends, you know, yes. we can talk about Loba or Mirage. They definitely have their best fits. Um, but these are kind of the first that come to mind. If you're focusing on the play style and weapon, this is maybe what you should be practicing on the legend side. Hopefully some of those tips and everything will help you all win some games, get some more dubs, up that win rate, up that KD. Hopefully you can have some nice takeaways from this podcast. We're going to wrap it up, though, now by answering some five-star questions. If you want your question answered on the show, leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll make sure we get into it. First question coming from thank you. Do you think Respawn should release heirlooms faster? I know I really want an heirloom, but I mean Valk and she probably won't have an heirloom for a long time. Great show, by the way. Thanks so much to the re- the review. We just had a question like this on our last episode. You know, should heirlooms come out faster? <laughs> it hasn't really changed. You know, I think that we're on a solid pace. Um, we could kind of do a sprint with all the existing legends, but I kind of like how the, the collection events work. Totally. Next question coming from Jaden Johnson. You guys have such a good pos- podcast, it even helps me sleep. My question for you guys is, do you think the flatline needs a buff or a nerf? Putting people to sleep one day at a time. Love it. That's how we do it. Uh, flatline, I think it's in a good spot right now. I don't think it needs to be the most accurate AR in the game. If it had the accuracy of the R301 right now, it would be a very, very, very powerful weapon. Uh, and it seems to be in a very solid spot to not be in immediate threat of catching a nerf currently. It's one of the best guns in the game. I do not think it needs a nerf at all. And we didn't even talk about the anvil this episode. Yep. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's got plenty of power, plenty of versatility. It's it's good. Yep. Next question coming from Jojo. Do you guys know if they plan on bringing back Mirage Voyage permanently? They had it on King's Canyon recently, but then took it away. The World's Edge version of the ship was the best spot to land. Thanks. Couldn't agree more. You know, do we need to break the news though to them about it? Maybe. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, unfortunately, our uh, our good old ship has crashed and burned into the form of the Party Crashers Arena's map. Might not be getting that version of the ship back anytime soon. Maybe we'll get an upgraded version someday, uh, or maybe when we throw back to some older maps in rotation, we'll get it back on there for a bit. Maybe there'll be a Mirage Voyage too. That's the hope right now. Perhaps. <laughs> Last question today coming from Big Matcha. 
Hey guys, new listener here, and I've been binging all the episodes. You guys are really entertaining, and I love the format and how content is presented. Here's my question. It's no doubt the Rev is oppressive and the source of a lot of frustration, especially at higher ranks. How would you feel if his ult turned you into a zombie like the ones from the Halloween event instead of the way it currently works? Abilities cannot be used, mobility is increased, and you can only melee, but it causes more damage. Secondly, bugs and cheaters are still a big issue in this game. I wonder how the player base would react to a sort of Operation Health like Rainbow Six Siege did, where the dev team takes a season off of creating new content for the game and instead focusing on fixing current issues. Would the player count suffer, or would the players appreciate that and accept no new content for a season for an overall improved game? Great thoughts, Big Matcha. These are things we've discussed, you know, Henry and I personally and on the show. Uh, to start with the first thing, the Revenant stuff, we did a full episode breaking down our thoughts on Rev and buff ideas and side grid ideas. And this is kind of something that rose to our minds at one point, you know, changing the way in which the totem works. I think the Halloween event is very scary. It would be very interesting to see them in game. Uh, I do think the power in the Halloween event is that there are a lot of them, though. If you only see one or two of them, they're pretty weak and still easy to send back without uh, guns, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it could be an interesting component to put in the game, but putting it in the package of a totem where you have to kind of prepare to use it would be pretty tough. If you could mm -hmm. activate it in kind of a ring instantly, maybe that could be a good option. But yeah, like Shay said, we did a whole Patreon episode on what could we do to change up that rev totem, honestly? And mm -hmm. it's it's a tough one. But I think right now Revenant's in a pretty good spot. It's brutal I, I and like rev. ranked, yeah. but <laughs> honestly, I think it's hard to master. And that's a good balancing. Operation Health. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be pretty tough, Shay. We've talked about this a lot, actually, mm -hmm. off air. Um, it is something that, with the way in which content creators play Apex and no hate on the Rainbow Six Siege content player base and they have a fantastic pro scene over there. There's a lot of streamers that are very popular. Apex is towards the top of Twitch for a lot of the aspects and things that keep them here are new content. And I think if we took a season off of that, uh, we could see a potential loss in the player count. I do think the game is doing a good job, though, at fixing the bugs and the issues that come about during seasons as they come. Uh, the team is expanding, hopefully, and so hopefully this is all going to take care of itself in the near future. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think that, A, you need the new content. It's an absolute mm -hmm. necessity based off of the release schedule of Apex. But if I'm being honest, I think Apex is in a great state. All the legends work. Like, there are some hackers some issues on that side but we know for a fact that there's some major improvements coming shortly on that front outside of that audio bugs are are kind of going to be there in this game mm -hmm. i don't think it's at a level where we just have to put on the brakes for everything and take an l for a season in order to come back to a decent place i think we're beyond a decent place so i don't think it'd be a benefit uh to do something I agree. like that I agree. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Check out our Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down.
Tomorrow.